I've got a, a, an interesting uh, thing that I'm going to try to do. I'm going to start with uh, this. It's not my idea, but um, I like the idea, obviously, because I'm doing it. So uh, it's, an, it's from an Anglican priest. His name's Father Mund Cargill Thompson. He put together a message uh, that I have adapted for this morning. It's a, it's a message um, on this. This is the Epiphany of the Lord Sunday. Everybody knows what that means, right? Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's when God reveals, it celebrates primarily the three times that God revealed himself to us, the wedding at Cana, the uh, baptism of Jesus, and, um, and, the, and the Magi, the three wise men. Um, so those are, but really it's, it's just the epiphany, the, the awareness that God is with us, that, that, that when he reveals himself. So the, the passage is out of Matthew 2, um, and then I'll get into where we're going this morning. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. I always want to go wink, wink, right? (laughs) He had other plans. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. How would you react to a sermon composed entirely of questions? Is it possible? Are you intrigued when the questions refuse to give you answers, leaving you puzzling over the text for yourself? Are you angry? Isn't it the preacher's job to explain things? Isn't the preacher not doing their job properly? Are you mystified? How would you react to a sermon composed entirely of questions? Do you recall the past sermons you've heard over Christmas time? Do you recall the past sermons you've heard over Epiphany? What were their messages? Is it easier to remember a sermon you agree with or a sermon that angers you? Is it a bad sign that so few come to mind, something to be ashamed of, something not to admit? Can the pastor remember his own sermons from a year ago? Or is the lack of conscious memory a good sign, a sign that they've all blurred together, blurred into your very self, shaping who you are today? Or is this a non-question question? Do you recall vividly one particular Christmas sermon that still shapes you today? And what if you were doing it? What if you were still doing those things? What would you say if you were giving a sermon at this time? Would you have focused on the mangy stable around the back of that inn with no room and preach a prophetic message of justice and homelessness? Would you call to mind the homeless on the cold streets of Atlanta and liken them to the Messiah who had no place to lay his head? 
Would you tell the story of the Holy Family's desperate escape to Egypt to save their lives from the murderous King Herod and compare that with the plight of asylum seekers huddled in Athens or Clarkston, the scars of torture on their bodies? Or is all this too moralistic and grim, oh, so worthy, but just a bit too uncomfortable? What of the Prince of Peace? Could you preach on that? Would that go down better than an uncomfortable sermon on the injustices of the world? Such a needed sermon. Can you find the time to write it when our own lives are so busy, we're so stressed? Can the baby Prince of Peace bring peace to the preacher, or is he only for others, for those who hear? Is it hypocritical for a preacher to preach a sermon that they know they struggle with in their own life? Or is it irresponsible to neglect areas you know others need out of cowardice or out of a fear of appearing a hypocrite? Would you preach or sing or sing or preach? Are you glad it's not you standing up here now? What would you say if you were giving a sermon about the epiphany, about God's revelation to the world? Would you look to the wise men? Were there three of them? Were they actually kings? Why do the carols say one thing and the Bible says something else? Does it matter what you say? Will the congregation notice anyway? Or will they scour their Bible spotting every inconsistency and sloppiness? How much will focus on the exegesis of the text, on the arcane wisdom that we've cram up, crammed up from all those commentaries? How much will be practically applied to people's lives? But what of her life sitting next to me? Is it the same as mine? Will a lesson from the shepherds that's so relevant to a man at work in a city mean anything to a teenage girl at school? Will an application about the scholarship of the wise men designate, des designed for those struggling with their SATs mean anything to someone who's retired after six decades of work? How can these texts be applied to lives so widely different in varied groups of people? How can they be applied to my life? If it was just me, which text would I be looking at? Which text would you be looking at? Which would challenge me the most? What of everyone else here? Would that same text challenge them? How do we reach beyond ourselves to all? What would speak to each one of them? Which one? The wise men? The shepherds? The prince of peace? Stranger in the manger and word made flesh? Wedding at Cana? Baptism of Christ? Isn't it the preacher's job to choose? Why doesn't the preacher give me any answers? How would you react to a sermon composed entirely of questions? And what of the wise men? Do they endorse astrology when the rest of the Bible seems so against it? Aren't they following a star? Or are they a sign that whatever our mistakes and whatever the strange philosophies we experiment with, God can find us in them? God can find us in them. Do you read your star sign? Would you admit that to me? Why did wise men look at stars anyway? Am I following a star? How is God guiding me? 
Have I ever resisted his guidance? Am I comfortable with this talk of God speaking to them and God speaking to me? How does God speak to me? How does God speak to you? Do we believe he speaks? What does he say? What is the star God wants you to follow? Will he call you on a journey that lasts four years like the wise men or a short stroll down the hill like the shepherds? What of the frankincense, myrrh, and gold? What would Joseph and Mary made of them? Are the Jews, Hindus, Romans, and half the world right that incense owns a deity nigh? Why do 5,940,000,000 people of every race and religion love this stuff and most Americans cough at the faintest whiff? What would Joseph have made of it or the baby Jesus if not with incense? How do I show I acknowledge Jesus with God? What does it mean for the baby Jesus to be God? What does it mean for creator God to be a tiny six or seven pound baby crying for his milk? How can God be so vulnerable? And what of the gold? Was that a treasured birthing present kept to adulthood to remind Jesus of these strange visitors to his cradle? Did his enduring presence remind Jesus that he was special, that he was a king with a destiny to save his people? Or did the gold go rapidly on bribes to cross the borders and buying bread in Cairo, keeping Jesus and Joseph and Mary alive when no one else was there to help them? What is it like to be a refugee running away from a dictator who kills little children? Can we appreciate their plight when we have so much? Do we get too many presents at Christmas? How would our children react if they only got three? How would they react if those three were gold, frankincense, and myrrh? <laughs> myrrh. What sort of person gives an herbal embalming fluid to a baby at its birth? The baby Jesus born to die? Does the church talk too much about death or not enough? Are you comfortable with the fact that you too one day will die? Does faith help you through that truth or do you come here to escape from that truth? And what of those for whom Christmas is painful when death is not the death of Jesus on the cross, but the death of a loved one whose absence is all too noticeable about the table? How do we preach Christ to them? And what of everyone else? Can one sermon speak to the lives of so wide and varied a group of people? Which sermon? Tell me, please. Hang on. Would you tell me, please? <laughs> Maybe the shepherds offer a better solution. Do they call to mind happy memories of a childhood nativity play and two-year-old sheep going, bah! Or do you preach on them as rejected outcasts, people forced into a cold and smelly job nobody wants, then rejected by the religious establishment because they have no time to be ritually clean? 
Is the shepherd's outcast status something that unites us all? Do we all sometimes feel on the edge, unwanted and rejected by others? What do we make of a God who picks not millionaires but shepherds? What can I bring as poor as I am? If I was a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I was a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I bring him? Or if not shepherds, do you preach on the Mother Mary? What would have happened if she had not said yes to God? Have you said yes to God? Were you ever marry in a nativity play? Did you wish you were marry in a nativity play? Why is she the most popular one that all the children want to be anyway? What's wrong with being a sheep? Which Mary would you preach on? The toddler Mary in the nativity play, the statuesque Mary of Renaissance art, or the teenage mom, far too young to be a mother, a child with her own child? Why did Mary tell Jesus they were out of wine? Would you preach on that Mary that hinted at a miracle? Which Mary would you preach on? And by the way, where's Joseph? Why isn't he a bigger part of the story? Are there too few sermons on men? Is that why there are fewer men than women in church? What of the ultimate man, the word made flesh? What does it mean for God to need to be baptized? What does that mean for me and for you? Was the word with God? Is the word God? And to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to be children of God. What does that mean? How do we become children of God? Are you comfortable with being a child of God? If God humbled himself to become human, does that mean that What does that mean about our humility? Why do the carols we sing at Christmas harp on that so much? Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Be born in us today, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. What does it all mean? Has Jesus been born in you? Have you been born again? Do you understand the question? How would you preach that to people today? What would you say that would help people understand their need of the word made flesh? What would you say? What events led you to becoming a child of God? How did you come to believe in his name? Have you come to believe in his name? What does that question mean for you? Would you rather go back to the soft focus nativity play about now? Or does the challenge of the homeless Jesus, the asylum-seeking Holy Family, seem less of a challenge in light of the challenge to believe in his name, to be born again? Which would you be more comfortable preaching on? Which would you rather somebody else had to preach? Which would you remember if someone else preached? And why? If the epiphany of the Lord celebrates that God revealed himself through the Magi, in baptism, and in the wedding at Cana, doesn't that mean he is a God of revelation 
Doesn't that mean that he is a God of revealing himself? How is it that God is revealing himself today? Isn't God living? Has he stopped revealing today? After all these questions, would you rather just cut the, cut the sermon, give gold and frankincense, or write a check and be done with it? Anything to get it over with? Do you need a sermon now on the peace that the Prince of Peace brings? Where are you with this God of ours? Which sermon would you have preached? Which sermon would you rather have listened to? And how do you react to a sermon composed entirely of questions?